Sibling rivalries are a theme that have stood the test of time. From Cain and Abel to Jim and John Harbaugh, sibling rivalries have always been present. Welcome to the Encroachment Podcast, a podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts on what is going on in the world of college football. Stay tuned to find out if these two brothers can find out something to agree on. Okay, so welcome to the Encroachment Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Binkley here, and I am here today with my co-host, Jonah. Hello. And today, we are going to be talking about the NFL Draft. If you guys stayed tuned last week, then you guys would know that we we discussed the wide receivers coming up in the NFL Draft. So, we're going to stray away from the receiver position this week. And rather, we're going to talk about some of the top prospects in the draft. The people that are most likely going to go in the first round. And I hate to break it to you, but if you hate the Georgia Bulldogs then this may not be the one for you because there is a lot of talent coming from that university. And fair warning, too, this is going to be a defense heavy because, believe it or not, defensive players in this draft are quite good. And I would say that there is a ton of defensive talent coming into this draft. So the first person I wanted to get into today is Kyle Hamilton. Now, Kyle Hamilton, see... He is my favorite player in this draft, bar none. I mean, when you are in Madden and you are trying to create a crazy safety or any kind of player that you just want to create for fun, that's Kyle Hamilton. I mean, 6'4", 220 pounds. So he's like the size of Cam Chancellor but taller. And he is an absolute freak out there on the field. In 2020, he was All-ACC first team. The uh, Associated Press had him as All-America third team in 2020. And, you know, just All-America's left and right. Phil still had him as All-America in 2020 as well. And, you know, he would have been... He would have been All-America this year, too, if he didn't suffer an injury, which we'll get into here in a second. But he ran a 4-5-9-40... And he ran a four five six at his pro day. And I know, not electric speed, but his football speed more than makes up for that. He's never gonna be a track runner, but he is the type of player that you'd want from your for your team. You don't need exceptional speed from the safety position. It's not like corner where you're gonna be constantly having to do one on one coverages. So I don't think his speed's gonna play too much of a factor into this. But I will say he had a 30-inch vertical, which will play a factor in the jump balls. See, with you know receivers out here that can really go out and get it in the deep field like Cooper Cup and DeAndre Hopkins, a guy like Kyle Hamilton waiting back in the secondary is exactly what NFL teams are going to need and what NFL teams are going to want. And with a 38-inch vertical, we're talking about jumping for days. <laughs> and some of his strengths include he has fantastic vision this guy knows what's going on the field at all times and an exceptional athlete I mean there's been several times where you'd just be watching a game right you'll just be watching a game and out of nowhere you'll see Kyle Hamilton flying down the field and I mean it's like he comes from out of the frame of the screen just comes out of nowhere and makes an interception that just leaves you starstruck stricken and, I mean, he's not even just limited 
to his vision. I mean, he is an excellent tackler. We're talking about a guy that, like, you know, in the open field, he's going to get the job done. And I'm sure that his size plays a factor into that. Maybe that's why he's above average at it. But he is a guy that is going to wrap up whenever you need him to, and you won't have to worry about many busted tackles. I mean, he's also fantastic at blitzing. You know how Tyron Matthew would come off the edge, or even before Tyron Matthew would have Eric Berry line up almost as like an extra outside linebacker. Well, you can get a little bit of that from Kyle Hamilton. I mean, his in 2020, keep in mind, he only played in 11 games because, you know, the COVID-shortened season. But in 11 games, he got four and a half tackles for a loss from the safety position. The furthest player back on the field gets four and a half tackles for loss, and that's better than some of your defensive ends would be getting in the season. And um, he, he doesn't have a crazy amount of interceptions, but that doesn't tell the whole story when it comes to Kyle Hamilton. He is an absolute menace, and if there's like a tip ball in the air, he's going to come up with it, kind of sort of like a Troy Polamalu. Now, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and make comparisons between him and Troy Polamalu because... Troy Polamalu is one of the greatest to ever do it at his position, and he's definitely in a category of his own. But I think when you when you flip on the Kyle Hamilton tape, there's a lot to love. There is a lot to love. I mean, in zone coverage, just forget about it. If you're throwing his way, you better think twice before throwing in his direction. And he can just run across the field, like I mentioned earlier. So even if you don't throw it his way, he can find a way through there, and he's going to get it in the open field. So I don't know. His, he really jumps out to me, and his sheer athleticism on the field is something that you don't typically see from a safety, or especially um, from, yeah, from most safeties in the NFL. But Kyle Hamilton fantastic football player and he is someone I'm so excited to see this upcoming season Jonah so tell me what you think about Kyle Hamilton well uh, I mean I'm excited for him see I like what you said about Kyle Hamilton being like a Troy Polamalu of course Troy Polamalu had his own style I mean he was basically had the agility of like a cat out there in the field it was insane the way he just pounced on people and did all this stuff but I do like what you meant uh, with the interceptions I mean he reminds me of so much in Troy Polamalu and how there would just be uh, just a freak incident where he would just run out of the like he wasn't even in the camera's uh, angle he wasn't even in the camera and he would just run out of nowhere and just intercept it I mean I I see a lot of uh, Troy Polamalu's interceptions, especially the way he dives. Like, if the ball gets tipped, he's going to dive all the way out. His body's going to be all the way on the line, and he's going to he's gonna put his hands right under the ball before they get intercepted. That's what I do like about him. He reminds me a lot of Troy Polamalu in that aspect. Of course, he's not uh, as athletic as him, but I mean... I don't know. I'm just so excited for because I mean you just don't really have uh, safeties that are doing that, especially uh, getting tackles for loss like that either. I mean, there's probably only a few in the NFL that are really doing that consistently. So if he can do that and do a lot of the interceptions like Troy Polamalu, I can see him being one of the most uh, explosive and most exciting players to see on Sundays. Honestly, I mean that's that's what I'm expecting out of him. And, you know, hopefully he can be one to revitalize the safety position because it seems. Here recently, we haven't had the electric standout safeties that we've had in years past, like the Cam Chancellors, the Eric Berries, the Tyron Matthews. I know he's still in the league, but I mean, you know, there's very few players like him. And 
I thoroughly expect Kyle Hamilton as long as he can stay healthy because, like I mentioned earlier, he had the knee injury in the 2021 season, which, you know, that's going to hurt him laterally getting side to side. But with modern medicine and everything like that, I don't think it would be as much of a concern to begin with, especially considering when it happened in the season. I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but I know it was not long after the Florida State game, and maybe it was a few games after, and so it was like the beginning of the year. So he has time to recover. I think you get him in a training camp, I think getting coaching him up and everything, he's going to be a solid player, and I don't know. I mean, he's just really flies off the tape, and words can't even describe how good this guy is. You just got to watch it. I mean, he's... He'll come in there. He will shuffle down the side of the line. Say the running back's running to the left or right. doesn't matter. Say he gets a handoff stretch to the right. Kyle Hamilton's going to shuffle his feet down there. Not going to bite. He's not like one of those players that's just going to go shoot and look for that huge hit, although he can make those. He is, he's got high enough IQ to shuffle his feet in the way to where he can get to the ball and stop you from making any progression. And with his size, it is hard for you to get past him to begin with. I mean, he's bigger than a lot of running backs that you're going to see on Sundays, and that's going to help him out tremendously, like I said, when he's coming off the edge, which he is so fantastic at. I mean, uh, he's like a Swiss Army knife, and he almost reminds me of Isaiah Simmons in the way that, you know, how he got all the hype coming up to where he could play multiple positions. I think that's kind of the, the way that you could see Kyle Hamilton be. I mean... Just all-around great player, and you're going to find a way to do something with him. He's just that good. He's just that good. But besides Kyle Hamilton, we got Sauce Gardner, or Ahmad Gardner. And, you know, there's been a lot of hype of him coming into the draft. Big, huge corner. So here we go again. Back-to-back, huge defensive backs. 6'3", 190 pounds. He's tall. And I said huge, but maybe I should have said tall because 190, that's something he's definitely going to have to work with in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying he needs to be some muscle mass monster or roided up dude looking guy or anything like that. Definitely not. I mean, he plays corner. You can't expect too much from him from a uh, strength standpoint. But I will say 190 pounds. Slightly alarming to me, considering that most corners are. I mean, if you're six foot three and you're a corner, I would say like you probably want to be more around the lines of two ten. But we know how advanced the NFL is with their training protocols and their strength and conditioning, so I don't think it would be. Um, I don't think it's too much of an issue. Uh, but I mean, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. But he is a very physical cornerback. He is the type of guy that is going to blow you up as soon as you start running your route very good with his hands and getting knocking receivers off their routes but I will say that could run into a problem because we know how the NFL works with their pass interference calls and whether they're going to throw it like crazy like they do in the regular season or they're just going to turn a blind eye and just say nah like they did in the Super Bowl doesn't matter you still got to keep that in the back of your mind and he's great with his hand placement but he's going to have to be careful with that to try to stay away from pass interference calls but in 2021 he was the American Conference Defensive Player of the Year which I do not think that's I mean I think he's much greater than that I mean a great accomplishment trying not trying to undermine the accomplishment at all but I mean this dude is absolutely insane 
And in his career at Cincinnati, he had no touchdown passes allowed. Let me repeat that again. Not a single touchdown pass allowed in his entire college career. And I know what you're already thinking. You're thinking, oh, he played in the American Conference, blah, blah, blah. What was his competition? Well, I'll tell you what his competition was. His competition was playing Alabama in the college football playoffs last year. So whether you want to talk about his conference or not, he went head-to-head to Alabama, didn't give up a touchdown to John Mechie or Jamison Williams. So should I say any more about that? I mean, and like Kyle Hamilton, didn't have a ridiculous amount of interceptions. I mean, he had three per year every season, but three interceptions as a freshman, it's nothing to scoff at. And, you know, he's another one of those players, kind of like Hamilton. I know they're different positions, different positions, but kind of like Hamilton, where he can come in and make he can come in and blitz from the cornerback position, which is so undervalued, I think, in the grand scheme of defensive play calls and stuff like that. It's typically your outside backers, maybe a safety in the case of like Tyron Matthew, or like, you know, more traditionally your defensive ends doing the pass rushing. But if you line him up a nickel and send him on the nickel blitz, especially in the blind side of the quarterback, he's going to have problems. He's going to have problems for sure, especially considering that he runs a 4-4-140, and he's going to be pretty good out there making tackles in the open field. But I will say this, maybe on occasion he has tendencies to get too high with his pad level, which is something I think can be worked on, you know, get him underneath the like defensive line sleds things they use, maybe try to work on that with him. But I mean, he is a guy that just really like, I mean, the definition of lockdown if you look it up, you're going to find a picture of Sauce Gardner. And, you know, no defense, no touchdowns allowed on him on 1,059 career snaps. I mean, man, man, if he was this good, I could only imagine what his KD would be in Call of Duty, putting up numbers like this. This dude is absolutely insane. And he's a very confident player as well. It doesn't seem like there's a shadow of a doubt when he's out there on the field. And, you know, he's the type of guy that is going to make a play when he needs to. I mean, if you throw it to him, if the receiver has time to stop and turn around for a catch and he's out there in coverage, you just forget it. You just forget it because he's going to snag it right on that receiver and make you regret throwing his way. But, like I said, he's going to have to work on that hand movement, but I think we'll get it all fixed out or the NFL teams will get it fixed out. And the fact that he had production all the way dating back to his freshman season, I think that means a lot, especially since he's coming from a lower tier conference. You would want to see something like that from a player like him. But really great player, and I think that he's got a very high ceiling. Now, people might get it overhyped about the uh, zero touchdown passes, but I don't think it's overhype. I mean, if the man was able to play it, I mean, turn on the feet or able to do that. I mean, it's pretty good. And just like I said, just put on the highlight tape of this dude. He is the real deal. And, you know, I mean, there's some teams that could really benefit from having him out there. And I think corner is one of those positions that you can never have enough of. You can never have enough of with teams out here like Cincinnati that are running T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and having multiple receivers going downfield, it, one corner's not going to get the job done anymore. Two good corners not going to get the job done. You're going to need about four to six guys that can step in there and at least be competent and decent enough to not get burnt every single play. 
So, I mean, I know the Lions need a cornerback. The Texans need a corner. If I was going to lean anywhere and say if I could see him going anywhere, I would have to say probably the Texans. I could see the Texans benefiting off of him, and I think that he could fit in just right. And I think he's one of those guys that could fit into almost any system. I mean, he's just a do-it-all corner and just great. There's not really much bad you can say about him besides the hand thing. So what do you think about Sauce Gardner? Um, I think Sauce Gardner is going to be one of the best people in this draft, honestly. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I like what you said about his freshman year. I mean, the fact that he was this productive, not even in his freshman year, they let up a passing touchdown, that is so impressive. Um, and his weaknesses, I think his weaknesses are something that are so minuscule that um, every NFL team, it, basically every NFL team could probably fix it, um, at least within a year of him being there. Uh one of my things, though, is a mentality thing, and uh, it's something that uh, people talk to a lot with uh, Trevor Lawrence because uh, a lot of people know this. Uh, Trevor Lawrence never really lost a lot of his football career, like going into high school, going into college. He just didn't really lose. That wasn't something he did. But uh, he's like Trevor Lawrence, he's going to go to the NFL where there's going to be a difference. Like Trevor Lawrence, he went to the Jaguars, started losing. Sauce Gardner is going to start going against people who are literally getting paid like $100 million to be the, this really good, like Devontae Adams. I mean, you, I mean, De, Sauce. there's no way Sauce Gardner is not going to be able to let up a passing touchdown throughout his NFL career. So I think the biggest thing is his mentality. He's going to have to get used to allowing touchdowns and just knowing that you're going to get beat because there's going to be people better than you. I mean, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, one of them are just, going to burn him at one point and they're going to do really good against him but it's a mentality thing where he's going to have to step back and realize hey I know how much talent I got and I know how good I am all I need to do is just focus get in this coaching and just make sure that I can be what I was in college of course not going to be as good as he was in college because I mean that's not that'll just never be the case in the NFL but he can be extremely good and he's one of the players I'm probably most excited for at least top three most players I'm excited for coming out of this draft. Yeah, and with the thing with the mentality, I know, like, you know, never gave up a touchdown. You know, that's probably a streak that he's wanting to continue in the NFL. As long as he doesn't get caught up with that too much, I think he'll just be fine because, I mean, it is inevitable. I mean, you're not going to go through a 16, I mean, he'll be lucky if he plays 16, but you're not going to go through a 10-year NFL career and not give up a touchdown. That's just not going to happen. The... The athleticism, the skill, is. there's a reason why they are playing in the National Football League because it really is the best group of players nationwide. And he's going to have his own trials and errors, but I think that his dog mentality will keep him at near the top. And, I mean, just a great player. And I, I guess time will tell and we'll see how he does, but I'm fairly confident that Sauce Gardner is going to perform in the NFL. But... We're going to switch it up a little bit, and we're going to go into what I think is our only offensive player we're going to talk about tonight, and that's going to be Evan Neal from Alabama. Now, I'm going to read his height and weight to you. 6'7", 337 pounds. Ginormous, ginormous mountain of a man, which I think is great for an offensive tackle position. You know, protect the quarterback's blind side, a very important thing. But I will say... His size is concerning to me, and not in the ways that you might think. He's not slow, not by any stretch of the means, so I'm not worried about his mobility. What I am worried about is injuries. 
Because, see, when you are that big, and Brian Bulaga said it. You, If you guys know, Brian Bulaga used to play at Iowa, played in the NFL for a little bit. Brian Bulaga at one point mentioned how he was concerned with Evan Neal possibly getting injured in the NFL based on his weight and his size. I mean, he has a he has 337 pounds that is stretched all the way almost to seven feet in the air. I mean, this dude is just a ginormous of a man, and when you have that much weight on such a long body weighing down on your knees, that could become a problem. And look at Taylor Lewan, another big six foot seven offensive tackle. When has Taylor Lewan played a full entire season in the NFL? Because I can't remember him ever playing an entire season. And Taylor Lewan, good offensive tackle, but he can't stay on the field. And that's a concern that I have with Evan Neal. Is his size going to be feasible in the NFL? I mean, of course, he's going to have like 30 extra pounds on any defensive lineman that comes across him, more likely than not. But is the wear and tear on his body going to be too much? And is he going to be one of those players that's out of the league quicker than you expected? I sure hope not, but he is a phenomenal player, and I would say that his risk, the risk in taking him is worth it just based on his track record alone. And, I mean, big six foot seven guy, right? You think, oh, just put him out at offensive tackle and just keep him there, right? Well, I mean, when he first came into Alabama, he played a little bit of guard. I mean, he shuffled all around the line. He knows the blocking down from the run blocking, the pass blocking. And like I said, his size is definitely going to play a huge factor with all these other bigger guys because he's coming in the NFL and he's already bigger than everyone in the NFL, pretty much. I mean, there's very few players that have the size of him. But I think he's quick, he's shifty for an offensive lineman. I think that he's got huge potential. I just worry about his him getting injured. And then, and then to make another analogy too, look at Zion Williamson in the NBA. Big guy too, same height, I'm pretty sure. I mean Zion Williamson, I think they list him at 6'6 recently, but at one point they said he was 6'7, weighs about 300 pounds, which is I got to pause for a second and actually think about that because I didn't realize how big Zion Williamson really is. The fact that he's only like 40 pounds less than the NFL offensive tackle playing small forward in the NBA, that's pretty that's pretty crazy, especially with his athleticism. And sorry for that little tangent there, but man, I mean, that's I didn't even think of that until now. Zion Williamson is a big dude. But look at Zion Williamson. Can't stay on the court. Hasn't been playing this entire season in the NBA and his injury problems. And this has always been a problem. I mean, I remember people, he blew out his Nike shoes and everyone was like, oh, don't buy Nike. See, they just give out. I mean, uh, shoes tend to get blown out when you're a big ass dude like that. But I worry about injury. Hopefully Evan Neal can stay healthy. But I mean, besides that, I have nothing bad to say about him. I mean, in 2021, he only gave up two sacks, 15 starts, went to the national championship. Just a great player, and I, and like I said, he's been playing pretty much at day one at Alabama, which is huge considering we know how Nick Saban runs his runs his teams out there. And you know, it's not often that you know the freshman is going to go out there and be a day one starter. But I mean, Evan Neal, he proved time and time again that he is a phenomenal offensive lineman. And I'm I'm curious to know what you think about Evan Neal and the possibility of him getting injured or something like that. Uh, I see the injury issues uh, being a real, uh, a real, a real thing that actually um, can have a concern about. 
because, I mean, yeah, clearly, like you said about Taylor Lewan, I think that's a good analogy. I mean, Taylor Lewan, similar size. Um, and Taylor Lewan, phenomenal offensive lineman. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. I mean, it's true. Uh, it's just he just can't play a full season. I mean, I think... It, my thing is, is at least if Evan Neal's going to get injured, which you never want from a left tackle. I mean, that's I mean you're talking about one of the most important positions on the field. That's another thing too that worries me about him getting injured because of how needed he is at the position. But the thing is, is, is as long as he doesn't get injured as often, I mean, it's okay for an offensive lineman to get injured. You're going to see that happen for every offensive lineman. I mean, you're not just going to go against and have to hit 300-pound dudes and not get injured. That's just hard to ask from any, from any offensive lineman. But my, I just don't want him to get injured as often as Taylor Lewan. I think if he can just keep healthy for at least at least actually play full seasons. I mean, like you said about Taylor Lewan, he, never, he just never plays a full season. Like, you just haven't heard about that in, like, four years or five it's crazy I just don't want to see that from Evan Neal because I think he's easily the most talented offensive lineman in this draft I mean especially the best left tackle I mean he is just unbelievable and with the, with the amount of skill he had and playing at Alabama like ever since he's gotten there is so impressive I mean that is so impressive to his resume so I'm hoping as long as he doesn't get injured uh that he'll be as good as he is in college I mean he, I can see him easily being one of the top offensive linemen in the league and I don't and I don't want to get anyone confused by like trying to make a false narrative that he is injury prone because he's not. I mean, like I said, he played 15 games last season, only gave up two sacks, but it's just something to keep an eye out on. It's just something to keep an eye on because I mean, if you're going to invest so much in such an important position such as tackle, you're going to want that guy to play every single snap. And I I disagree a little bit on like, you know, him being okay for him to be injured from time to time because I think at a position like that you better be playing every single down you better be playing as much as you can because you don't you don't give 25 million dollars a year to a guy that's just going to miss a few games in the year when you draft someone like Evan Neal you expect him to be the best player on your team or or close to it we'll we'll just have to see how it goes but a guy that has gotten a lot of tension recently that was not mentioned as much until the combine, Travon Walker from Georgia. 6'5", 272, big defensive end. But what jumps out to me, too, is he's not just a defensive end. Watching some film of him, he's been he can shuffle around, play defensive tackle. He can really do a lot out there. And there's a reason why he kind of got overshadowed up until recently and having the good combine, and that's because Georgia's straight-up defensive talent. I mean, people were preaching at the beginning of the year that Jordan Davis should have been a Heisman candidate. Whether you believe it or not, Jordan, I mean, Jordan Davis is a great player. And, you know, N'Kobe Dean out there, too, Nolan Smith. I mean, Georgia had one of the best defenses of all time in college football this season. And Trevon Walker definitely played a factor in that. And, you know, at the Combine, he ran a 4-5-1, which is absolutely blazing, especially for a guy his size. It kind of reminds you of a Miles Garrett type. Not saying that he will be Miles Garrett, because I do not think that's the case at all. But I'm saying that is not a time that you see very often. And what's even more impressive than that, in my opinion... He, ran, he had a 35-and-a-half-inch vertical, which is half an inch off of what Garrett Wilson had. And a lot of people think Garrett Wilson is the best receiver in this draft. 
Well, what if I told you that a 270-pound defensive end could jump just as high as Garrett Wilson? I mean, that's just something absolutely unheard of. And I think that he could fit in well in like a 3-4 defense. And like I was saying before, you can shuffle him in the, throughout the line. Like You could have more as a defensive tackle and then have outside linebackers line off the edge near him. Or you can just have him straight up as an edge rusher. But one thing that really stood out to me, too, is his high IQ. I mean, this dude, they they would have him at Georgia start off lined up at defensive tackle. Then they would ask him to drop back and pass coverage from the defensive tackle position. And he would be able to, his athleticism would guide him enough to actually make a play. Like there was this one time, I think he was playing against Florida, I want to say. And he just so happened to drop back on that play. And he dove out to the right, hit it with his right hand, deflected the ball right into his teammate's hand and caught it for an interception. I mean, that is, you don't see stuff like that much from player or from like a defensive lineman like that. You don't see a guy that can do things like that. And he's just very aggressive with his with his speed. And he, I will say this, though. he He's got the athleticism. He's got the size and everything that you'd want. But I think he's going to need more pass rushing moves in his arsenal. He's going to need to be more diverse in a way. Like, you're not just going to be able to go out there and play patty cake with the offensive linemen and expect to be successful in the NFL. He's really going to have to develop everything from the spin move to getting the bull rush down and just going every little bits away around it. And if he can develop that, I think he can be a good player. But I will say he concerns me in a sense because of the pass rushing moves that he doesn't have enough. And it, it kind of reminds me of I'm drawing a blank here. What is his name? Oh, yeah, he kind of reminds me of like a quitty pay in, pay in the sense. You know, big guy, got the athleticism skill. He just needs to develop it more from, you know, getting a move sense, getting better at the pass rushing a little bit. But, I mean, you know, not bad at all. Six and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss. It, it may not seem like it's crazy numbers but you got to consider who his teammates were too and I mean there was a lot of people that were out there that could overshadow him and I mean he started all 15 games this year so you don't have to worry necessarily about injuries and stuff like that and I mean I don't know I think he is a good project if you're willing to have one in the NFL he's not going to come out here and just be all pro off the bat and he's not going to be some guy you know, it's just going to take the NFL by storm, in my opinion. But I think give him a few years, develop him. I think he could be a pretty solid player, and who knows how good he could be. But I think he needs to work a little bit on his pass rush moves and get better from that aspect. What do you think? Uh, I like – I well, number one, I like his athletic ability. I mean, anyone that size, I mean, the, those stats are unbelievable. <laughs> My thing is though is I got I got some concerns about him. I don't I do not like the way he just kind of bullies people and tries to get in the backfield because in the NFL that's not going to work. You're going to have someone like Trent Williams or God forbid someone like Quentin Nelson. I mean they're just gonna they're gonna put you down on the ground. I mean you just can't bully an offensive lineman and an NFL one especially the ones especially someone like Quentin Nelson who doesn't even give up sacks almost every season. I mean you're just not going to be able to do that. I think he needs to work on his um, on 
his abilities to, for every type of pass rush. I mean, because just bullying your way in the backfield is not going to work in the NFL. I want to see him, uh, like you said, take a few years and perfect all of his stuff, get good in the NFL coaching, and then then that's when I think you're going to see him do really good. He's not going to be one of those people that are just going to be off the bat really good. But when an NFL team gets a hold of this, I mean, <laughs> insane athletic freak, and they start coaching him, as long as he's listening... He's going to be really good. I mean, he might not, you know, do what he did in college, but he's going to be good. I mean, he's at least going to be someone on the team that is uh, definitely needed, and if he was injured, you could tell that there would be a difference on the defense. Uh, So that's the only thing I really got to say about him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think he's just a project. You're going to have to work a little bit with him on coaching, but I think he shows promise by, you know, like his IQ, being able to drop back and everything. I mean, if you're a defensive lineman and and you're more than comfortable enough to drop back and pass coverage, then I think you can learn how to develop more pass moves and rushing, and I, I think he'll pick up on that eventually. So, I mean, I think he'll be a good player. He's the one that I have the most questions about, I would have to say out of all the people that we're going to mention today. But another Georgia player, Nicobe Dean, a guy that I love very much. You know, he's only 5'11", weighs 230, might need to bulk up a little bit in the weight department. And I know people get they get over-infatuated with people's heights and things like that, and you know I'm guilty of it too. And, you know, you see 5'11", you're like, okay, well, I mean, that's not the kind of height you want from a linebacker, but I don't think it matters as much as people think, especially from a player like him that can come in on the pass rush and just be an absolute fear-monger out there that is going to wreck a play. And I think his height works to advantage in that way to where he can slip under big offensive tackles like... I mean, with Evan Neal, you got a six foot seven guy just standing straight up on a pass block. You don't think that someone like Nicobe Dean could just slip right under there if he lowers his pad level and get through there? I mean, I think, I think he can use his size to an advantage, believe it or not. And he is really fast, too. I mean, there's not a listed 40 time for him that I could see, but I mean, he is a tremendous blitzer. I mean,. Like I said, an absolute fear monger, and he's got a lot of fire energy, and I don't know how many times I've watched him play this season and just see him absolutely blow up a play. And he is just so, he's about as NFL ready as you can get from the linebacker position. And he can drop back in coverage too. I mean, just such a great player all around. And and it, and it goes to show why he won the Dick Buckus Award. I mean, you're not just going to win that if you're Joe Blow. And Kobe Dean, just a phenomenal just a phenomenal defensive player in, in general. I would like to see him get better at getting off blocks and to get to the ball carrier. And I think maybe sometimes, you know, like he goes too quick for, you know, him to get the right change of direction that he needs to on the, on the pass rushes. But, um... You know, it's something you work with. Get him in the tackling drills. Get him in the circuits. And, you know, just really work with him on that. But I think his his attitude and his aggressiveness will be able to translate well in such a violent league such as the NFL. And he's also the only player in college football last season with five-plus sacks, two-plus interceptions, and two-plus force fumbles. So... Uh, ring a bell, a Darius Leonard type maybe. 
I don't know if I'd go that far, but he is, you know, a pretty good player. And what do you think about N'Kobe Dean? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, N'Kobe Dean, I'm not too excited for. I mean, it, nothing. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's hard because all this George. I mean, this Georgia team's defense is just unbelievable of how many people are in there. But out of a lot of the people, he's not the one of the people I'm most excited for. And I do kind of worry about his size a little bit. I mean, yeah, his size can be used for as an advantage. But, I mean, kind of like what you said, Darius Leonard. I mean, you can be undersized and still do a lot of crazy stuff. But you got to be so unbelievably talented against these people that are all, I mean, all these people that are putting millions into their body and stuff and all these people that are getting paid way more than just a million. Uh, I don't know. I just, I worry about him a little bit. uh, But you never know. You never know. He could be doing some stuff like Darius Leonard where he is just uh, incredibly um, high IQ in terms of things, uh, everything they're doing in football. So, I don't know. Uh, me personally, I'm, I don't really care too much for no Kobe Dean, but you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, I could be completely wrong, and he could be uh, one of the n- uh, next best linebackers out there for all I know. I don't know. We'll have to see, though. I will say this. I mean, there's definitely some. I mean, there's things that he needs to improve on, but a big thing for me when I'm watching football is coming up big when it's needed, and. I've seen him come up countless times, time and time again, and I think even if he's not going to be your best player on the field, I think that he has enough talent to make a play when necessary. Like going late in the fourth quarter, you're down by a touchdown, or you're down by three points, and you really need to force that turnover. They're getting in the two-minute drills. They're trying to run the clock out. He's the type of guy that's going to come out of nowhere, get that interception, or make that play necessary to get it going. And I think, you know, I think N'Kobe Dean's going to be good. Only time will tell, though. But another linebacker, and this guy. This guy is an absolute freak. Not the craziest 40 time, but you turn on the tape, this dude is an absolute menace. Absolute menace. And I'm talking about Devin Lloyd from Utah. See, a bigger bigger size than N'Kobe Dean. 6'3", 237, played at Utah. He only ran a 4.66, but football speed is a thing. Hate to break it to you. 40 times aren't as special as a lot of people make them out to be. And I think that he is a player that can thrive in almost any defenses. And when I mentioned Darius Leonard earlier, this is the closest guy in the draft to Darius Leonard. This dude can do everything that you want he is so great at just making plays. I mean, there was this one time he's playing against Stanford, right? Stanford was like on the one-yard line of their own end zone, and they needed to, you know, get out of there. But you know who wasn't going to let him? Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd on that play, he came in on like he was going to blitz from the backer position. He came out there and jumped where, like, the left guard was at, right as the quarterback was throwing, threw it right into his hands, and he got a pick six on the one-yard line, which is something you don't see very often. But he is such a phenomenal linebacker. I mean, he can he can shed blocks with the best of them. I mean, you can put him out there the blitz. I mean, he's just an absolute menace, and he knows how to get the angles, the right angles, to make a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. So, like, if you leave – if you – if you're an offensive lineman and you forget to cover one of your gaps when you're doing a handoff, he is going to absolutely blow that up, and you're, you're going to get an earful from your coach because he's just so good. 
I don't know. I mean, he he might need to work on his coverage a little bit, but I would say that um, it's something that will get worked on in the NFL. I mean, just a very high IQ player, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and here's something that's really going to stand out for you. If you doubt his abilities at all, he had 22 and a half tackles for loss this year. 22 and a half tackles for a loss. If you're a team that's already got a great pass rush going on and you just throw him in the linebacker position, like imagine you put this guy on the Rams, where the Rams are going to need another linebacker now they got out of Vaughn Miller. Imagine if he gets on there, the absolute havoc he's going to make. Because we've already seen videos before where Aaron Donald has gotten triple team. I'm not saying double team. I'm talking about triple team. And if you're going to put that much focus on a guy like Aaron Donald and have someone like Devin Lloyd sitting there and waiting, that is going to be a problem that is going to keep offensive coordinators up at night. And I think this dude, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best players coming out of the draft. You know, not the most famous name in the world came from Utah, you know. It's not like he came from Alabama or Georgia, but I think this guy has got a lot of potential. I mean, seven sacks, too, last season from linebacker position and four interceptions. That is pretty fantastic. And you're probably thinking, too, because you're probably wondering, oh, what did I mean about coverage and everything like that? He got four interceptions. It's because he just happens to be at the right place at the right time. He's not necessarily the best at covering players, but he will put himself in the position to make the big play, which I think can make up for it. I mean, look at how much people were going goo-goo over Trayvon Diggs this year, even though he got burnt in coverage religiously. And, you know, everyone just wanted to overhype his interceptions. I mean, but, I mean, at a corner position, that's a lot more important. A linebacker, not as much. And I think that he's got all the intangibles that you need. He's got a 35-inch vertical, so he's also one of those freaks that can jump. I mean, I think Devin Lloyd is one of those guys that can just fit in anywhere. And especially, oh, man, especially if you put him on the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I mean, because the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, for the past five seasons have led the NFL in sacks. And, you know, T.J. Watt plays a big factor in that, but T.J. Watt ain't doing everything. And, oh, my Lord, if he played for the Steelers, I mean, shoot. They say they think that defense don't win championships anymore. <laughs> I think if you put a guy like that under Mike Tomlin, I think, you know, have Mason Rudolph as your quarterback I don't care I mean I think they would shock more people than you would think out there but what are your thoughts on Devin Lloyd what sticks out to you Uh, I really like Devin Lloyd I just like uh, everything about him honestly and uh, one of the things I like is he's not getting talked about as some of these other people and you know what I like about that and well I like about it is because I like Devin Lloyd so much I can see him easily go into one of these teams that just that already just don't like are so set but when they get him because all these other teams are more focused on the more uh, like SEC heavy players and people that get talked about more oh my god he's gonna prove so many people wrong and make so many people that were on the draft board that on this upcoming like week or to a week and a half or so they're gonna make him look so stupid because I mean he's just gonna do so good it's gonna be crazy I mean, I definitely see him on, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers or something like that, uh, a team that's, uh, like, lower down in the draft that is just going to really, I mean, 
he's really going to set them over the top. I think a team with a good uh, defensive line, oh my god, especially if the tackles for loss, like 22 and a half for 2021, I mean, that's just, that's so impressive. I mean, that is so, I mean, I just can't get over that. I love, I love his stats, honestly, and I could just talk about him all the time. He's just really, he's one of those players that I'm most excited for in this draft because he's going to make all the people that didn't even look at him so stupid for not even paying attention. There, people on the draft board are going to be like, how did we not know about this guy? How are we not looking at him? I, I That's exactly what I'm expecting from Devin Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal player, and flying under the radar is definitely going to work in his favor. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently number 20 on the draft board. I'm telling you, man, if he could fall down all the way down to number 20 and go to the Steelers, that is just absolutely scary. And I think that would be such a great fit for him out there. But next guy, a little bit of a polarizing player. People don't know what to make out of him, you know. I will say this. Coming out of high school, everyone had big high hopes on Kevon Thibodeau. And I think that he is a really good defensive end. And, you know, his freshman season, 14 tackles for a loss, 9 sacks. Great stats. And blazing speed, too. Four, four, five, eight, Pretty good for a defensive end. And 27 reps on the bench, so you know he's strong, too. And, you know, he is so explosive. So explosive. And, you know, he he's a phenomenal pass rusher. But I will say this, he needs to adjust his pad level in a way. I mean, oftentimes, I mean, he'll still make the play, don't get me wrong, because he was a phenomenal freak in college. But if you're going to be standing up, especially when you're like 6'4", and you got all these great offensive tackles out there that are motivated by money and trying to become the highest paid player in their team, they're not going to let some guy just stand straight up and run right past him, and that's going to come back to bite him. If he doesn't fix that, it's going to become a real issue. But I think his upside upside is through the roof. You know, he was unanimous All-American in 2021, had seven sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. Uh, I mean, but... I mean, people question him a little bit, wonder if he's better than Aiden Hutchinson, but, I mean, he had... He started off doing good in his freshman year, which I think goes a long way and says a lot about a player, in my opinion. And he played in 31 games in his career and had 35 and a half tackles for a loss, which is pretty solid from a player. But I think if he can work on not getting too excited and going straight, just going straight at it, because he's got the speed, he's got it. But what concerns me is he's going to speed it up too much, not shuffle his feet to where he needs to. And he's going to get burnt and run right past. Because if, if he's not going to catch them enough before they see him and just hit them as quick as possible, then they're going to run right past him, which is something he's going to have to work on, in my opinion. But I think that he's got great potential. I think that he's got a chance to be a great defensive end. And you know who else went to college at Oregon, too? DeForest Buckner. So if you have any questions about an Oregon player working at a high level or from the defense position, use DeForest Buckner as an example. And I think Kevon Thibodeau is going to be good. And honestly, the way that I see things going in the draft, I I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. I almost guarantee you, I'd almost say put money on it that he's going to the Lions. And I'll get into more of why I think that once we mention his counterpart, Aiden Hutchinson. But what do you think about Kevon Thibodeau? Um, I don't know. Kevon Thibodeau, I'm not 
my expectations for him is I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great. That's the thing. I think he's going to be pretty good, but I don't, I just, I, I worry about all these people who get so much hype because I feel like it's just something you don't want to do for a lot of players. And for him, I feel like the hype's going to be too great, and I feel like he's going to be a good player, but not great. And that's the thing, because he's gonna he's got all this hype around him, and if he's not living up to expectations, I feel like people are going to give him so much more crap for that. When I think he's still going to be a good player in the NFL, but he's not going to be... Is uh, he's not going to be as good as I feel like everyone thinks he's going to be, and that's this. This is my thing. I just have a feeling that he's going to be one of those players that's just going to be in a few years. You're not going to forget about him, but he's not going to be one of those players that you're going to hear like every Sunday. Like, oh, I'm I'm excited to see Co- what Kavon Thibodeau is going to do. I mean, he's still going to be good. But I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be leading his team in all the stats he's going to be doing. Going to be doing. I think it's mostly just him going to be contributing a lot to a defensive line that needs it, or if, especially if they already got a defensive lineman that's really good on the team. I could see him just really doing good then, because when you have someone that uh, that kind of you know pulls away the attention, it helps so much. So I don't know. Uh, I'm I am excited for him though, because I still want to see if the hype's real. Uh, but for me, I think he's just going to be a pretty, uh, pretty good player. That's just going to help, uh, just make a team better all around. And yeah, I think he could be a solid defensive end, you know, that takes a, like, you know, if he plays alongside another good defensive end and they try to focus more on that other player, then I think that he could, he could do a lot of work, you know, flying under the radar. Um, Kavon Thibodeau, I think he is a great player, but we'll just have to see because he does need to fix those issues that I mentioned. And it has me a little bit concerned because, you know, things a habit. You practice every day one way. You go through a game the same way all the time. Things tend to develop, and it's hard to get out of those habits from time to time. So I think NFL teams are going to have to be patient. They're going to have to work with them, but I think his upside is great, and he has great size, and I think he can be a good player. Wouldn't go as far to say that he's going to, you know, just come out swinging, come in the NFL. And the last thing that we want from Kavon Thibodeau, though, is for him to be like a Jadavian Clowney. You know, Jadavian Clowney, similar to Kavon Thibodeau, was very productive as a freshman, had one of the most decorated college football careers from a defensive lineman that you could ask for. But then what did Jadavian Clowney do in the NFL? I'll tell you, he wasn't worth the first-round pick looking back on it. I'll tell you that much. I mean, and hopefully Kevon Thibodeau doesn't end up being like that, but it, it's hard for me to not think of someone like Jadavion Clowney when you mention Kevon Thibodeau. And the fact that his name has been so well-known for so many years now and people still don't know whether or not he should be the first defensive lineman taken is another concerning thing to me. But his counterpart, Aiden Hutchinson, now, I'm going to stop right here for a second, and I'm going to inject some of my own opinions into this because I believe so strongly in this. Aiden Hutchinson was a phenomenal player, a great player, and I got to see him live this past season when he played against Wisconsin, and he was definitely a force, and he was definitely a guy that you could see out there making plays, and I noticed it. But he was not better than Will Anderson. I'm sorry if you're a Michigan fan. He was not better than him. And they absolutely screwed Will Anderson in the Heisman this year. 
Because I swear on everything, if there was one player that deserved the Heisman more than Bryce Young, and I think he did, it was Will Anderson. I know everyone's scared to give – everyone is scared – to give a Heisman Trophy to a defensive player because of all the controversy of Charles Woodson beating out Peyton Manning. But if this, if there ever was a year, it was this year with Will Anderson. The only other time I could think of where an instance was like that would be when um, Sue was playing for Nebraska, and I think that he deserved it over Mark Ingram too. But I'm just saying, I, I know Will, Will Anderson's not in this draft, but... You are crazy if you think that Will Anderson didn't deserve to be on that stage in the Heisman ceremony. And I'm mentioning this because Aiden Hutchison finished second in the Heisman. And I'm not trying to diminish his his stats or anything about him whatsoever because he is a phenomenal player. But Will Anderson was literally playing like the Derek Thomas from the 1980s of Alabama, some ungodly godly numbers man ungodly like I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me but I'm pretty sure that dude had 35 tackles for a loss which is absolutely unheard of and I think that the college football committee or the Heisman voting committee should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for not letting Will Anderson up on that stage and I think the only reason they did it is because they didn't want people to get butt hurt because they didn't want two Alabama players to be up there on stage but I say screw it I mean Will Anderson I know we're talking about the 2022 NFL draft, but I promise you one thing. Will Anderson is going to be one of the best NFL football players as soon as he comes out in the draft. And if you thought that, what's his name? What's that guy's name from Penn State? He plays for the Cowboys. Oh, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. You thought Micah Parsons came in here strong Mark my words, Will Anderson's going to do even better. And I, I'm sorry I'm going on a rant here, but I believe in it so much, and I'm tired of the disrespect that they give towards defensive linemen and defensive players because Will Anderson's better than Aiden Hutchinson. But I'm done with the tangent now. I'm done with it. So let's get into Aiden Hutchinson. Ran a 4.740, pretty good for his size, which he's six foot seven, 260 pounds, ginormous of a man, absolutely huge. And, you know, he put up great stats himself. 16.5 for a loss, 14 sacks. Great numbers. Great numbers. But one thing that um, sticks out to me, though, and has me concerned about Aiden Hutchinson is, what have you proven besides this season? Because the only thing I can see here is he had 10 tackles for a loss in 2019, 3.5 sacks then. He He only played two games, so I guess, you know, can't hold that against him too much but he had not a single sack last season no tackles for a loss and then this freshman year no sacks one tackle for a loss so if you are going to draft a guy number one overall in the draft which I have no there's no shadow of a doubt in my mind that the Jaguars are going to take him that's another thing you can you can clip this you can save it wherever the Jaguars are taking Aiden Hutchinson promise you and I think my concern with that is you know, you do one great year, but where's where's the rest to show? And I mean, like, and I'm not trying to undermine him at all because he he's crazy good with his hands. He is so aggressive, so aggressive, and I mean, he's gonna blow you up in the backfield, then start celebrating about it. And he's just a high effort person, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Jared Allen in a sense, in the way that he that he plays, and especially with his size too. But you need to have a little bit more, for, in my opinion, a little bit more production if you're going to be taken first overall. You don't just have one good year and come in. 
and I think that's concerning to me. I mean, he did finish second in the Heisman, which is hard to do. He won the Ted Hendricks Award for Best Defensive End, and he won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, those are all great, and I think that he will be a good football player. I think he will, as long as he doesn't get everything into his head because people hyped him up so much this year. I mean, going to Heisman ceremony when you haven't had any production forehand, I mean, I'm pretty sure that does something to your ego, I would imagine. But I think that he's going to be a good player. I don't want this to be misconstrued as Aiden Hutchison hate. I just want to stick up for what I believe in, and I believe that Aiden Hutchison, I wouldn't take him first overall just based on one year. That's just me. But I think that he'll be a good player, and who knows? He could be an all-pro player. He's definitely got the potential to do so. In a 36-inch vertical, that is absolutely mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing from a defensive end. I don't know what all these people are eating nowadays. They must have been eating their Wheaties with Michael Jordan on the freaking box because everyone's running like four fives nowadays in any position. Wide receivers are running four threes, and you have defensive linemen that are jumping as high as NBA basketball players. Like, I don't get it. So, I mean, he's got everything there. I think that he does need to get a little bit better on change of direction. And he does have shorter arms than you would imagine for his height, which could be a problem with these freak offensive tackles out there, especially like we mentioned Evan Neal. I mean, big six seven guy. He's gonna have to get that reach out there and he you know, he's not blazing speed. He's like big bulky kind of guy. That's why I say he's kinda like Jared Allen. But I mean he makes up for it with his you know, his quick hands and he's a high IQ. He's gonna find the ball where he need wherever the ball's gonna go, he's gonna be there. But I don't know. I just have mixed feelings about Aiden Hutchinson. What do you think? Uh I have mixed feelings too. Uh clearly a very talented kid. Um my issue is is uh, the same thing as you. I I don't like a lot of the hype that comes uh, off of someone for one good year. Of course, there's exceptions. Clearly, like someone like Joe Burrow. I mean, just literally had a historic year. But that's not something Aiden Hutchinson did. And in the fact that people are hyping him up this way is um it makes me question uh why people are hyping him up this much. I I just don't get it. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the hype, I just don't get. Uh, there's just some people in this draft that are just getting hyped too much, and I'm not, I'm not fully understanding why. Uh, Aiden, Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson would definitely be a good player, but I just don't know about all this hype about him, especially first overall pick. That just seems uh, downright silly to me. Even though I'm gonna, I see him being drafted in the least a top five. That just seems like something that's probably gonna happen. Uh, even though I'm not sure if that's, if his uh, skill and talents enough to enough to warrant him being that high of a pick I don't know though um I see him uh still being a good player but I see him also not being uh great I just see him being good which is I don't know that is kind of some of my kind of my concern about some of these people I just I just don't fully understand a lot of the hype going around them and I feel like you're going to get some of these people that aren't getting talked about as much, and they're going to prove so many people wrong just because they don't got the name that pops out. Uh, but, I mean, of course, good luck to Aiden Hutchinson. I think he'll still be good. I just don't think he's going to be first overall pick uh, worthy because that's just, that's just such a hard thing to get. I mean, when you get picked that high, you have every expectation is going towards you, and I just don't know if he can live up to those expectations after one really good year. I don't know. I am excited to see him, though, with all this hype. It's just something that you want to see. I mean, 
there's no doubt there's no doubt in everyone's mind that uh, you're going to want to see him upcoming these Sundays cuz i mean you're going to hear about all this hype and you, he better prove it you better prove it cuz you know he's going to be starting if he's going to be this high of a pick and he better go out there and really show people that he's worth the hype that's all i got to say and uh, you know with Aiden Hutchinson I, like i, I want to preference it by saying this again i'm not an Aiden Hutchinson player i'm just saying there's a lot of stock that goes into a first overall pick and that's really something you don't want to mess up i mean you don't always get those i mean maybe the jaguars are more used to it than other teams but it, it's just alarming to me that he's only had one great year and i think that the hype could go to his head because i like i said i don't think he was deserving to go to the Heisman ceremony ahead of Will Anderson, not not by any stretch of the means, and you got to think that he, he probably thinks that he's a big man on campus and probably believes in what everyone tells him to, which is good to it's good to have a lot of confidence in yourself, but don't be overly confident. I last thing you'd want to do if you're Aiden Hutchinson, is just believe all the hype that people tell you and then just just give. 50% at practice and never develop into a player you need to be. Just because you're a college football great, you beat Ohio State this year. I know everyone is excited for that. But just don't let this get into your head. Just don't let this get to your head. And the reason why I think he's going to go to the Jaguars and why I'm so confident that it's going to happen is because Jaguars' tendency to go after college football legends or people that have a lot of recognition in college football. I mean, you saw how Trevor Lawrence went. Trevor Lawrence is really hyped up, didn't have that great of the year. I don't think the the jury's out on him yet. But I will say it was kind of questionable to me drafting Travis Etienne and maybe you wanted to pair him with his uh, with his college teammate. But um, it didn't really make much sense drafting Travis Etienne. And, and since they drafted him, it leads me to believe that they are going for the guys that you would see on the cover of NCAA rather than the guys that are going to be like the guys that come in, work day in and day out and do good. Just because you were great in college doesn't mean that you're going to be great in the NFL. And I think teams need to realize that more and not just base it solely off the hype. But... The last guy that we were going to talk about today is Jordan Davis. And I mentioned earlier, people thought that he should have been a Heisman candidate too. I disagree because I think statistics definitely play into being a Heisman caliber player. And he sure as heck didn't have the the stats for that. But stats don't tell all the story. And if you watch Jordan Davis's highlights, I mean, just an absolute behemoth of a man, 6'6", 341. And what's really going to catch people by surprise is he ran a 478, which is unheard of. Like, I remember I remember Don Terry Poe, when he was coming out of Memphis and he went to the Chiefs, he ran some outland. He was, like, around the same size as Jordan Davis and ran, like, I think, a, a, like, a 5 flat or, like, a 4.9. And everyone thought that was crazy. Well, jeez, man, a 4.78, that is mind-blowing and if you watch him play he really is moving that speed like I've seen him chase down running backs that were trying to pass a line of scrimmage and it's just crazy how a big man can move at such high speeds but his size also you know weighs him down a little bit I mean he can fall into habit of getting double teamed and he, he can't always get out of it can't always get out of it but I will say for a goal line situation having a a huge mass, like a huge human being out there just sitting in the middle, that is going to be crucial 
you know, for making the running back one to bounce it out the side, then you have your outside linebacker come pick up the slack. You may not get that two-point conversion that you needed later in the game, or you may not get that fourth and one that you wanted just because his size alone. And you know people are going to double-team him too. So, I mean, that just leaves options to stop in the backfield, and I think that's what makes Jordan Davis so great. He's not going to wow you with his stats. He never will, but neither did Vince Wilfork. Sometimes all you need to be is a person that helps your teammates out and makes them better. And I don't think Jordan Davis is ever going to be a defensive play of the year or someone like that. And like I said, he's never going to blow you away with his stats, but he's going to make his teammates look better, which I think is very underrated in the NFL. And it's something that you would want from a defensive tackle. And, you know, he won the Chuck Bidnerick Award this year for best defensive player. So, I mean, he definitely... He's definitely got the skill and won Outland Trophy as well. I mean, he's got quite the trophy case there. Um, but I'm concerned with him on the double teams, and sometimes he just stands straight up on that too. And, I mean, he's a big mass of a guy, so you might – if you're Kyler Murray and and he's got double team right there and you're Kyler Murray, you're dropping back and trying to throw a slant in the middle. You know, Kyler Murray's not the tallest fellow in the world. He might, you know, stop some of those slants just because of just how big he is. I mean, he's got the great speed. He's good at disengaging blocks, um, but I don't know. There's one other thing that really concerned me a lot, and I noticed this while watching a few of his games. I want to know why he would go in for two plays and then get pulled out for another. That's something that really bothers me. Yeah, he's got that speed, he's got the size, and he I definitely think that he's going to be a good NFL football player. But what's the point of drafting a guy super high if he's only going to play 50% of the snaps? That is a problem to me. What you don't want from Jordan Davis is for him to end up being like Albert Hainsworth where he doesn't take his conditioning seriously and just, you know, gives half effort out there, which I'm not saying he will because he's definitely a phenomenal player and he's definitely high-motored, but I'm saying, like, you're going to have to get that fix in the NFL. You're not going to be deserving of a $10, $15 million contract if you're just going to play 50% of the time. And you got to – if you're an NFL team – you're going to have to find a way to get this guy more conditioned to make sure that that's not happening. Because a player like this, like I said, he helps make your team better in general. So you don't want a player like that just sitting on the sideline half the time. So I'm a little bit worried about that. And, you know, he doesn't have crazy stats, like I said. Only five for a loss, two and a half sacks. But, like I said, stats don't tell all the story. So I'm curious to know what you think about Jordan Davis, like, you know, after everything I just said. In my opinion, he's also one of those people I find to be kind of overhyped in the draft, and it's not because I don't think he's talented. I just think that people are putting way too much. I just don't think people realize the kind of player he is. He's going to be someone that's going to just elevate your team just because he's going to take so much attention on the defensive line. He's going to just um, hes just going to be a, a big distraction. He's going to be able to close down the offensive line, shut those gaps down. thats I feel like that's one of the reasons his stats aren't as crazy. It's more because of what he does to the offensive line every time, every play. The thing is, though, is uh, I just think that people are hyping him up too much. To, they kind of make him sound like something he's not. They act like he's someone who puts up these crazy stats when that's not what he does. If, you, if you've seen him play, he's just someone who just just helps around all around. Like Especially, he's one of those players I see also, uh, kind of like a Kevon Thibodeau. 
Uh, he's just going to be someone who's going to make the defense line better. He's just going to make someone who, if they already have a great defense alignment and they're already uh, getting distracted on that defense alignment, like Aaron Donald or something, he's going to be even. He's going to make that team even better because I mean he's just going to help shut down that offensive line even more. I mean, God forbid he's without there for Aaron Donald, where they already have three offensive linemen distracted. And then you got him, almost six seven, three hundred and forty pounds. I mean, he's just he's just going to cause such an issue. He's going to shut down all those gaps. I see any team that it gets him, they're going to have a lot of trouble running the ball, which is one thing I like. That's one thing I like about him because he reminds me of Vince Wolfwork in that that way because he's just going to help shut down the running game so much, which is something I am extremely excited to see from him. Yeah, with with Jordan Davis, like – there are some concerns there. I think he will be great to have on your team. I think he's one of those players that you would love to have on your team. However, you just gotta be you just gotta be cautious with him. You just gotta be cautious. I I just hope that the hype that he got in college doesn't exceed exceed his actual value because, like I said, it's concerning if a player is just gonna come off and on the field, and you don't want to overdraft a nose tackle anyways. I mean, that's not someone that you need to be overpaying and stuff like that I mean but I think he can be a really good solid player and I think he will do good in the NFL but he's like I said he's never going to be padding up his stats or anything like that but I'm curious to know where you think some of these players might go you know you don't have to talk about all of them but I'm just curious to know where you think some of these players might end up in the draft I don't know I can see I do agree with you. Like you said earlier, I definitely do think Aiden Hutchinson's probably going to go to the Jaguars, just knowing how their front office is. Lions, though, the Lions I'm interested in, I could see them going a few different ways. I don't know. I could see them taking a defensive tackle. But I have a feeling that uh, Sauce Gardner is going to go to either the Lions or the Texans is what I have a feeling about. I feel like one of those teams, you know, they're more worried about people passing on them. I have a feeling uh, that's just something they're more of a need of, especially the Lions because, I mean, they don't even got uh, that good of a safety or anything. So then maybe that's where Kyle Kyle Hamilton comes into place. I don't know. The Giants, I'm expecting to take uh, Evan Neal, or maybe the Panthers. Actually, no, the Panthers, I'm more seeing taking a QB, but from the people we're seeing or we're talking about today, I could see the Panthers taking Evan Neal. I don't see them taking anyone else, like a corner, though, because they got, um, I forget his name, they had a... Oh, I I can't remember his name. Uh, but they just took a they just took a cornerback uh, last year in the first draft, so I don't see them doing any of that. Besides that, I'm not really sure. Um, maybe the Jet. I could see the Jets maybe getting. I don't. I would like to uh, see them get someone. I don't know. Maybe like Nakobe uh, Dean. I don't know. I'm not sure about the Jets. I think the Jets just have a lot of issues they need to work with. I mean, that franchise has always, you know, had issues. I don't know. Besides that, uh, Jordan Davis, I want to see Jordan Davis, even though he's going to get drafted most likely higher because of all the hype he's got. I would like to see him go to a team that's already got a real, like a team that's already competing for a, for a Super Bowl. Like uh, even the team like a Raven, like the Ravens. I mean, they got the 14th overall pick. I could see that being interesting, especially with a um, with a big man like a uh, uh, like a Clayus Campbell. Oh, I could see him really helping Jordan Davis use that weight and that height that he's got. So if Jordan Davis could go to the Ravens, I think that would be really interesting. And I think that's probably the place I'd be most excited for him to go. Besides that, I don't know. I don't know, really. I 
I'm not I'm not exactly sure where a lot of these people could go because the thing about these teams is that a lot of them are needing of the positions that uh, that we talked about, and I could see any of these teams taking almost any of these defensive players because almost every team on here needs a like a cornerback or a defensive tackle or a defensive end. So I don't know. I think it's I think really what's going to depend on this draft is who is uh, who takes who first. Really, I mean, there's just so many talented people. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I will say I like what you had to say about the Ravens getting Jordan Davis because I think he is one of those mid-round draft picks. I mean, he's a quite a talented player, but like I said, how much is a value of a nose guard in the NFL when there's so many other positions that you have to worry about? And I think if you put him in the Ravens, that is really good situation, especially with how good that the Ravens have been drafting recently. Like, they had Patrick Queen... But, um, yeah, I don't know. The Ravens, they, they drafted, you know, they're a pretty good drafting team, and I could see Jordan Davis, you know, falling to a team like that. So I really like that that insight that you brought there. I, I mean, the Jaguars, like I said, 100% taking Aiden Hutchinson. Gun to my head, they're taking Aiden Hutchinson. That's my honest belief. I know they're trying to throw smoke screens out there saying that they were going to they're trying to work out Travon Walker or giving him a chance. It's just a smokescreen. That's all it is. They're going to Aiden Hutchinson. I know it for a fact. And I'm fairly confident in the second pick, too. And I think the Lions are going to take Kevon Thibodeau. I believe highly in that. Just, you know, obviously like defensive linemen in the past, they got Nindamukong Sue and drafted him pretty high. And, I mean, I just see Kevon Thibodeau being a Detroit Lion. I mean, I can just picture it right now. I think it's going to happen. I think with the Texans, though, I could really see Sauce Gardner go in there. I mean, they do need have some other needs. Like, they definitely need to work on the pass rush a little bit, getting another defensive end, maybe another linebacker. But I could see Sauce Gardner go in there, and I think corner is a valuable enough position to go number three in the draft. And with the Jets, you know, the Jets have two first-round picks that I'm seeing here. They have a fourth pick, and they have the tenth pick. And I think the Jets could make some good decisions with that. It, I mean, you know, if their front office has enough insight to, then, I mean, they have a few options there. If I were the Jets, I would personally take Evan Neal. Not sure if that would go there because, you know, they got M- Malachi Becton recently, but it wouldn't hurt for them to get another offensive tackle. And especially lining up two monsters like that. I mean, talk about the twin towers out there. That's basically what they would be with Makai Becton and Evan Neal. And I, I think that could work out for them, but they have a lot to fix. But I really see the Giants making a surprise here and because, you know, you don't see it very often. You don't really see a safety go top five in the NFL draft. But for some reason, I I see the Giants taking Kyle Hamilton. I could be wrong. You know, they they need an offensive tackle as well, which, you know, we all know how important a position that is in the NFL. But, I mean, who's who's to say that Evan Neal's even going to be there at the fifth pick? So, I mean, I see Kyle Hamilton fitting in with the Giants, and I see him going in there. Um, And the Giants have the seven pick, too. So, really, like, even if they make a mistake, they can make up for it two picks later. But if they can hit it out of the park with both those, then the Giants could be heading in the right direction. You know, as long as they get the quarterback situation figured out. Because, you know, some people think Daniel Jones is a decent quarterback. I don't know what I think about him. I mean, I I think he's had some fun plays to watch from time to time, but I don't think he's the answer. And I think if I was the Giants, 
I would 100% try to fill up other needs from whether it is safety, linebacker, tackle. I think they should look in that direction, and I think they should draft Kyle Hamilton. You know what? Now that I'm seeing that they're at seventh, maybe they wait on Kyle Hamilton because I'm dead set on the Panthers taking a quarterback. I don't see why they wouldn't. And with the Giants only having one pick uh, separating their two picks. I think if I was the Giants, I would take Evan Neal first if he's still on the board, and then I would go Kyle Hamilton second. And I think that'll go good because I I think most people believe that the Panthers are going to take a quarterback, and I think that'll be the case. But for the Falcons, oddly enough, sounds weird to say because I don't know if he actually get drafted this high, but for some reason, for some reason, I can just picture Nicobe Dean in a Falcons jersey. And they've had fast, athletic um, linebackers before. They drafted that guy out um, from Clemson. I forget his name, but he was like number 44, I think, on their team. And, uh, I mean, based off them drafting him, and N'Kobe Dean's probably still going to be on the board at that time, I could see the Falcons taking him. I'm not setting stone on it, but I just got a weird hunch with that. But that's all we have today for the top prospects of the NFL. But... I've had a lot of fun talking tonight, and this will conclude our top prospects from the NFL draft. So thank you guys for listening to the Encroachment Podcast, and I am your host, Jordan Binkley. And I'm your host, Jonah Binkley. And thank you guys very much. I'll see you.